a slow meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's gotta go now. With Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Rivich. Josh Kerr. David Rivich. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Rivich. Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Sit and Kick podcast. I'm your host, David Ribich. And I'm your better host, Josh Kerr. Today, we're sitting kicking it with both the boys. There's no more solo sitting, no more solo kicking. The boys are back. You should be excited because you don't get this level of chat and this level of running anywhere else. So strap in and welcome to the show. No, that's, that? we're not going to fly with that, Josh. Let, that? Me, let me give you a proper introduction. <laughs> Today, we are sitting and kicking it with the former NCAA 1,500-meter record holder. We are sitting with the current North American 1,500-meter soil record, and now we are sitting with the Olympic bronze medalist, the same man who peed in a cup, the same man who rang Dave between his race and the podium stand to probably talk about how important this moment was for the both of them, the same man who I think is 8-0 against the previous 2016 Olympic champion. I don't know if that stat's correct, and the same man who is now sitting in his Olympic team GB robe, probably naked, but you can't see that, but you can't hear that either. It's Josh Kerr. And when it comes to getting the future guests on this podcast, Josh, you have some weight now to where you better be pulling some superstars to get onto the show. I feel like, you know, when I got Grant Holloway, that was a big moment for me. And so it was tough to like go one up from Grant Holloway. And so, yeah, I think, you know, who, you know, who are we looking at? I'll try and get them, Dave. You know, you give me someone, I'll work my hardest to try and get. Who, who's but, that? Yeah, that's uh, all I can do. Who's that GB girl that just uh, got second in the eight? Oh, Keely Hodgson. Yeah, she's Scottish too, right? No, she's English, but okay. um, but yeah, she's she's awesome actually. Okay, I was gonna so, say I'm sure that you two would just have a good laugh of a time on a, on an episode. I wouldn't be able to understand either of you, but <laughs> let, let's think about her for the next season. Anyway, back to you. Anyway, Josh, what, what's going on, man? Oh man, I just, I just, I feel like I'm constantly hungover. <laughs> it's probably a good way to describe my last week. Um, we went out a couple nights in the Olympic Village afterwards with 15 boys, um, some 5K guys, and then we were actually hanging out with the Aussies a lot. So did a couple nights like that. Came back, um, did a couple nights here with you know my girlfriend, some of the, some of the Albuquerque natives went to Vegas for three nights, went out again last night. So yeah, the voice is really taking its toll, you know, can you tell? <laughs> Just a bit. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm living vicariously through you and all the adventures I know you had. Um, I FaceTime Larmar, I think twice in the, in the couple of days after your final. Cause I was like, Hey, is Josh back in Albuquerque? What are you guys up to? I'd love to know it. Like, how's it going? Cool. Yeah. Oh, fine. I bet him and Julian are just having a, a great time drinking together. I'm sad and alone in Seattle. So part of me, part of me was like, Dave could be turning up at the airport when I get back. You never know. You never I, know what happens. I looked at flights. Really? I looked through flights and the biggest thing, the biggest reason I didn't do it, and this is unfortunate and whatever, but I'm okay with this. It's because of the dog. I can't leave oh. the dog and Olivia's at work. I can't leave little Alfie. And have him just like fend for himself here. The man still shits and pees in the house. So he's still your level, you know? He needs to at least get to my level before I can leave him alone. That's, that's the kind of dog owner you're going to be. He's like, oh, what am I going to do with my dog? You know, my dog's my life. Not even. Can't, can't wait. <laughs> so, you know, Dave, I feel like this episode is about, about me. So I'm going to let you 
<laughs> me kind of leader. You kind of, I'm not gonna be like, okay, so let's talk about my own Olympic experience, you know? Yeah. Well, well, first off, I mean, the fact that you come in here in a bathrobe, probably naked, and you've already got this new demeanor about yourself. I don't know if I'm gonna actually be able to podcast with you from this day on because you're just a different guy. I can already yeah. see it. If our gold chains are just right on our chest outside of our bathrobes. And yes, yeah. folks, I am in a bathrobes. I'm in, a, in an Olivia exclusive bathrobe and Josh is in an Olympic exclusive bathrobe. You can weigh which one's more important, but mine smells pretty good. Um, terrible. I think Josh has probably lived in his robe and lived in his metal. So do you even have it anymore? Did you lose it? And yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, message you sent in the group chat was pretty funny. So what happened with that? So I've lost my medal at least three times. And so <laughs> it's actually the most stressful thing because so I, we have these rooms in, in the Olympic Village and they're pretty small. And so I had done some washing, brought it back. I had like clothes kind of all over the extra bed that was in my room. And I was FaceTiming my brother before I was going out. And this was like just after like all the like ceremony and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, I really want to see the medal. I was like, let me go and grab it. So I grab it and then like I show him and then I put it somewhere. And we the night before we'd been told that we had to start locking our units, which meant that someone was stealing stuff from places. Mm. Anyway, so I go out and um, come back and I'm packing for because we're leaving in the morning. Packing all my stuff, packing all my stuff. And Hayward, like, Hayward was like, oh, like, can I, can I see your medal? I was like, yeah, of course. Let me go and grab it. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know where it is. Like, couldn't tell you where it is. And I packed all my bags and I didn't see it once. And I was like, this is a real problem. So I'm like digging through all my stuff, throwing everything out. I'm like, all right, this is the worst case scenario. <laughs> like, I have no idea where it is. And like, I was like, did I take it out? No, it was definitely in this room. And now it's not here. So did someone steal it? Because that would be kind of, that'd be kind of crappy anyway like long story short i find it in my bed like it was like down the bottom side of the bed like i must have just left it there and i got in bed with it when i came back at like 7 30 in the morning snuggled up with it and then just completely forgot about it but that's happened a good couple times um yeah it just the, 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 he's a sneaky fella he, he runs off it's a heat yeah oh yeah it's a heat little bronzy boy um little bronzy. But, <laughs> It just, yeah, it sneaks off, man. And, and you know, I just got to keep my eye on it. So I've got it right here, just sitting next to me. All right. Here, here's an impromptu question. You lose your medal forever or my dog dies? I you... lose my medal. Oh, guy. What a guy. You know, I didn't do it for the medal, Dave. I did it for the memories. If oh. I lost my memories, your dog would be booted off the high flats. But like... well, well, it's good to hear that with all the consumption of beverage that you've had, you still got a good memory in your mind. So, oh, yeah, um, so let's talk about that, that Olympic village a little bit. Cause I know that that was something that was unprecedented and, and people were talking a lot about it from what I saw from social media, not even being in Tokyo, it seemed like it was a pretty normal village. I would say from someone who's never been in a normal village, it, it wasn't normal at all. Okay. Because I think the best parts about an Olympic village, apparently, are the is the like the social side of things. And so, like, normally they would have you know places to hang out and like places to like meet other teams and play like other players and and like outside food and like all these activities to do. And they didn't have any of that. It was like you are either in your own block because um, like we had a Team GB block, and then you're at food. So at food, you like arrive, you put these plastic gloves on. Um, and then you obviously have your mask on and you have the train, they give you food and like, you just sit down and then they had like the, 
in between each seat that you had these like plastic um pretty much boxes and so you'd have to just sit next to someone to be able to talk to them so if you sat opposite me i wouldn't be able to hear you because it's also like thousands of people in there super loud and so it wasn't very social yeah um that was the, that was the one thing is like it wasn't very social but i mean overall like and the other thing that was good for us um as track athletes versus anyone else was you have to leave between 36 and 48 hours after your last competition and so what everyone's complaints are in the Olympic Village is like the swimmers like get finished first and then they stay the whole time and just party. Mm. And so they're just like super loud. And so we had a lot of people that were loud um, outside of our flats. Um, but like Team GB like kind of sorted that out. But that, that, that I would say that was like a good thing for us is people left as soon as they were done. So it just got quieter and quieter the later. Nice. It had, so like, as you got so, closer and closer to the time that mattered, you're like, yeah, exactly. Even like, though every race did technically matter. Um, and I kind of want to do a little bit reverse. I kind of want to put you in some feels and then we'll have some fun. You know, I kind of want to okay. put you in a moment of like, you can kind of deep dive, get not emotional. Maybe you'll get emotional <laughs> here in a few minutes. Um, yeah. But what I want to do is I want you to kind of talk about what it meant for you getting that medal for your family because i know that was a big thing for you and there was moments where i mean you sacrificed a lot so like this is a big transition but i want i want to kind of cover that yeah i think it's it's important to cover it's the the thing is with like getting a medal for me like it felt like if i was able to get this medal i could take it and i'm like okay like my whole career my whole life has been towards doing this and so i can give something back physically give something back be like look you you sacrificed in my childhood to like my parents like to drive me places to like pay for stuff to pay for coaching to like and um, sit there in the rain and watch me train guide me feed me you know, give me advice to go and do stuff. Like I left at 17 for the last six years. I haven't lived anyone in my family. And like, for me, it was like, okay, the first medal is going to be one that I can go, you know, this is, this is for everything that you've done for me. And so I, I, I needed to get a medal. Like for me, it was everything that, everything that I had was like, you know, I feel like I'm there. I need it. And I need it for them so I can, I can be like, okay. And, and as much as they would never be like, if I never even made the Olympics or like went professional, whatever, they would never need that. But for me, it was like, you know, they've done so much for me. Like I need to give you that. And so, especially like during COVID, I just said to him, I was like, I'm going to win the Olympics. And that's the reason I'm not coming home. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. And so like, it was two years, like it was two years I got to go back in June and and see him when I was there for trials. My brother and my my dad and my mom, they're like, why are you so confident? I was like, because this... Fuck. <laughs> this has to go well. Yeah. So that's why I knew. And so it was... It was the same with with the medal. It was like, even though the first race was bad, it was like, this is meant to be, and I know it. And I've never ran away from uh, 
my reasoning. Like when I have a reason in my mind that I'm going for something, I, uh, I can never lose. So yeah. that was my big thing. Well, <laughs> you fucking dick. <laughs> me? Yes. Don't well, fucking put me in those positions, man. I'm not going to put you in those positions. And, and I know um, what that means to you. And I didn't mean to put you on the spot here. And I know like our biggest thing is transparency. And I know you're probably mad at me for that. No. And you're going to be mad at me for this as well. But you just talked <laughs> about what like that medal means for your family. But I am going to admit your mom into the call right now. And she's going to talk to you a little bit more about what that means to them as well. Oh, the squad. I Yay! should have dressed up. <laughs> yeah, we're in bathrobes. Um, I'm not going to do a full explanation, um, but Josh is in his <laughs> Olympic robe and I'm in my girlfriend's. So you can take that for what it's worth. Um, but He's trying to set me up. Yeah, I, I try to set him up. I got him to talk a little bit about what that, um, that medal meant for you guys, because I know just working out with Josh and being next to Josh through the, the whole process of being away from family, I got to kind of in, embrace Josh's I guess my family and, and friend in a way to see how he can achieve these things with the mindset that he has. So I wanted to bring you guys in here to like put him a little bit more on the spot. This, this episode is about Josh. You guys can banter him a little bit too. I think he deserves and needs that. Cause I think the only time that I've seen you guys is he FaceTimed you immediately after he beat me in that 8k time trial. And other than that, I haven't seen you guys. So it's good to see you and properly meet you. Um, but Josh, if you want to give an next, uh, an introduction, because you're the introduction, man, to the people that made your dream possible. Um, now's a good time for that. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my mom and dad. This is John and Jill Kerr. John Kerr was uh, an ex-professional rugby player. And my, my lovely mother is a fantastic physiotherapist. Should be the physiotherapist for the Brooks Beast, but I'm sure we'll get there alongside <laughs> Sarah Bear. But uh, yeah, yeah they, these are... <laughs> I cannot, Dave. These, these are my, my my lovely parents that that uh, that made that made the big man, that put the big man together. So yeah, no, I I don't. I, you really put me on. Not going to have to talk about that night, though, are we? Huh? Oh, Dad. Oh, no. Um, I mean, that would follow suit with a lot of things we talk about on our podcast. It would only make sense, but I don't think we necessarily need. To. Yeah. So. As a friend, like I said, like I'm incredibly proud of Josh and, and being able to work alongside him and get my ass kicked on the daily from him. So like I wanted to know how, as parents, how does that feel? Because I know like these last few years have probably been tough with like the, the, the pandemic and him not being able to come back. So watching Tokyo, what did that kind of mean to you guys? Oof. You go. I'm going. <laughs> I think, I think the, the first thing, it was very difficult because we've been to most races that he's ever been in or important races. We weren't, uh, laterally, we haven't been to the States. We actually met you briefly um, when you broke the record, when you both broke the record that that night, because uh, we were there for that. And mm. um, so it was kind of hard not being over there because we had tickets and we had flights, etc. So that was the first thing. Um, but second thing, I guess it was just after the, the mishap in the heat, um, I think it was just really nice to see a plan coming together because we do know how hard he's worked and we do know um, the amount of effort that he's put in and the sacrifice that everyone's made. And the, sac the only sacrifice we kind of made really is just the fact that we've not seen him for, uh, you know, 18 months, 20 months or whatever it was. So it was nice to see a plan together. And thankfully, both Josh and Danny allowed us in on the race plan so we kind of weren't shouting at the telly because 
he was at the back and we wanted him to be a bit further up the front. We knew what was going on. So um, although I'm saying that, I don't think we shouted at the telly as much in that last 300 when we saw things coming together. Shouting at the telly, jumping up and down, running around the room. Um, yeah, I would, I would like to say that I think mum's a very, you know, outwardly emotional, <laughs> like uh, watching me race. And I think dad's a complete opposite you know he doesn't want to like show all of his emotions until that maybe i've crossed the finish line so they're, they're, you know sitting next to each other could be could be a tough one at competitions well we don't normally sit next to each other <laughs> for that very reason um however i would say that on final that final day i normally just say i would normally be sitting and mum would be shouting and i'd be kind of calm and but I wasn't with our last 300. I was shouting louder than mum, which I find bizarre, but it, uh, there you go. Yeah, we were super, super proud, beyond proud. Excuse me. Yeah, I know um, I've been just hanging out with Josh countless times um, and he's just like, oh, got to call with my granny, got to go real fast. And he'll just go sit in the other room and like, we're just hanging out being bros and he'll just leave and, and talk with his grandma for a long period of time. And I envy that and because his... His relationship with his family, I know, is so close. Did you guys have like a fr family friend viewing party or was it kind of like more private? We we had set up a Zoom call because Josh's brother was moving house the same day as the final. So they were sitting on their computer in their old house with all their stuff parked in a van. We spoke to Larimar, Josh's girlfriend, and her mum and stepdad before the race and I think they had a big party we our party started after we finished the finishing line um, and then we had so many messages from oh hundreds of people and even people we didn't really know just saying how amazing it was and um, from all from all over the world as well so that was it's funny when you're the fact that uh, they, they went to quite a big school Jake and Josh went to quite a big school and the fact that I, we've been involved in sport and, uh, and Jill's work, you know, we've got friends from all over, all over the world. So we're getting messages from all over and some some people that I haven't spoken to in 25 years, uh, you know, so it touched lots and lots of people. So that was pretty cool. And um, Jill's mum was round at Jill's sister and they, they, had they, they had a party, but I think it was easier for us to be just together <laughs> yeah. on our own. The amazing thing about this sport and being a full-time athlete for you both is that the highs are super high, but the lows can be really low. And we have to be prepared for both. Yeah. But luckily, it was a high. Yeah. Yeah. No, most definitely. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm a little bit on the same, the same page with that in the viewing. Because, like, I was in Montana on the day of the final. And it was, like, 5.30 in the morning. And I was just sitting there alone in this lodge. And, like, we had friends that were sleeping. But I was, like, everyone's, like, oh, do you want us to get up and watch with you? And I'm, like kind of no like I'd rather just kind of watch this alone like it's a big moment for Josh but I was like kind of like that highs and lows thing I was just like I want to be there for Josh's high but like I I I get pretty nervous um it's funny because I only get nervous watching Josh I don't really get nervous watching anyone else on the team um and I think that's the sense of like vulnerability that Josh gives um when it, when it comes to like making sure people know how much things matter to him and it's like when he's all in you feel all in and when he wins it feels like you win luckily i haven't had to feel a josh low yet because the guy's spot on every time he needs to execute so that feels great um nearly in that nearly in that heat though huh? that yeah nearly in that heat josh you you probably put all of us through through a loop there so i want to talk about that um too because 
from all of you guys' perspective, Josh and, and the fam. Because that, that was a, a pretty stressful half hour for us, and I'm sure for you, Josh. So talk, talk through that a little bit. I, it wasn't stressful for me because, and I said this in my interviews, and I really hope that they didn't go on the BBC. I was like, I don't care if I go through or not. That was the most embarrassing moment of my life right there. Like, I, like to be honest, like at the time when it happened, I was like, I don't deserve to go through after that performance. And so that was my reaction to it. So there wasn't like, I was like sitting there like, oh, I hope I get in. It was like, that was bad. And I get what I deserve if I don't get through. Um, and, you know, I watched the other one. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm probably going to get through. But, and I, <laughs> I have spoken to Danny about this. And he was like, if someone asked, just say it was by design. And I was like, yeah, but it, it was, but it wasn't. Like we knew I wasn't going to feel great, but it, we didn't, th- we weren't expecting to be seventh in the prelim. Um, so it was, yeah, it was an annoying time. I think, but when you make those mistakes, you just got to kind of own up to it. You're like, you know, that was that was a bad run for me. That was probably one of the, one of the worst races I've ran in the last four years. Um, and that's just the way it goes sometimes. Um, but I think I think without that performance, I I would like to think that I, I wouldn't have meddled because it, it was very like, it made me very laser focused after that. It was like, okay, like you're not going to get handed anything, even if you're up against the first round of the Olympics, you know? And so when you go into a final and you, you're like, Oh, I could maybe not have been here. Like, you're like, okay, well I can risk more. And that was like a big, um, I'm listening to, uh, Alistair Brownlee's, uh, audiobook, relentless. Um, and what a big thing that he's he was speaking to Ronnie O'Sullivan and Ronnie O'Sullivan was saying the only time I ever win is when I risk and if you don't risk you're not willing to win and so a thing for that was like even if you're winning by a while and you're just coasting then if someone else is already on the back foot you you can risk more and you either lose by a lot or you win and so that was a big thing that I went into the final with is like I'm just going to throw everything at this and I'm going to risk being last here and I'm just going to go for it. And so that was, that was my kind of perspective on things. Yeah. And then for you guys, I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah. You can, you can continue on. No, I was just going to say, I knew you'd be super hard on himself after it. You're right, mom. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, I think, I think, yeah, from our perspective, although we weren't together, I happened to be visiting my parents that, that day for the race. Um, I think we probably felt we were just disappointed because we knew how we would feel. Not disappointed in Josh because of the way it went, but just disappointed. And, and that, that just flicks back to everything, you know, the highs and the lows. And you kind of thought that that would be a bit of a nightmare. Um, but the fact that you got through... Um, I think your game, your, your game face changed completely. You were much more focused in the, although, you know, uh, in the in the semi and the final. And um, I'm not saying that you weren't focused for the first game, uh, the first race, but you know, you, you changed. You could actually see that you had changed quite um, noticeably. Yeah. I think I think that makes sense. I think yeah, there was definitely a, a switch in mentality because like it was the same in the first round of British champs, like you think about something for so long and there's this buildup of an extra year where you're like, when the first round you're like, Oh, like we are in the Olympic trials. Like I can't make a mistake or I shouldn't make a mistake. And that was, I didn't, I wouldn't say that was how I felt in the first round of the Olympics, but we were there for so long and it was so boring, but then it was like, okay, it's our time to, to perform. And so 
maybe there was something along the lines of that in there but yeah when you think about something for so long and then it's there and you're in that moment and you actually have time to think while you're in that moment it's probably pretty pretty bad but you know we live and we learn yeah and i think you certainly learned on that as well and i'm trying to find the um first round splits actually because i'm sure you split the fastest 400 in lane three in history for a men's 1500 meters um because you were just on the outside that whole last lap and when people ask like oh how do you think josh feels because i was like in a weird i don't know how you guys felt but like i felt as though like i didn't really want to message josh like i didn't really message you at all other than like that one time and you're like you're ready for a show kind of thing i was like all right this guy's fine this guy's I texted him essentially like, what are you going to do about it? Cause that was just like a little slogan we said back in 2019, um, gearing up for the worlds. Um, and so I messaged him that again, but like through it, like I was pretty confident and calm, even though Josh had that small cue um, and he, I'm going to have him hold on to that till the day he dies. Cause then he gets a medal out of it. But I said the same thing of like, I almost thought that like that was the best case scenario because that made you put a little bit more things into perspective of like, all right, I have to execute. And like, to show the fact that you get seventh in the first round and then medal in the final adds just like the amount of, <clears throat> I guess, impressiveness of that event, because you can go from seventh in the first round to a, an Olympic medal. And like, I don't think anyone could do that. I think there's a reason that you did medal because you are one of the best in the world, but there was legitimately eight guys in that final that probably could have medaled, but you had like a hard path to get to that point. So I think that just speaks to a testament and of your, your abilities. Cause I mean, Chariot and, and Jakob ran relatively flawless races to get it done, but you got dealt like a, a harder hand at the start and you had to rally. Um, and I think that's difficult. So for you guys, um, we don't want to keep you too long. Um, so I want to banter Josh um, a whole lot. Um, but was there any, any moment when he was young or kind of going through this process of, of fulfilling like his Olympic dream and, and these things that you knew, like there was there a moment where you're like, oh, this could be this guy's everything. I know it's not facial hair. So track and field's probably the guy's everything. Um, and I, I see you're clean shaven and this guy's got the the neck beard and I've got a mustache. So we complete a really nice facial portfolio. But for you, that has nothing to do with what I'm asking. But for you guys, um, was there a moment where you guys knew like, okay, this is going to be him? Like this is his his identity, his sport kind of thing? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, they were put, we put them to athletics just to just says to tire them out but it was really to help them with their fitness because they, they were both into rugby in a big way yeah um, but uh, as they got a little bit older it maybe became a bit more apparent that jake was better at rugby whoa uh, <laughs> than athletics let me finish and uh, and josh was better at athletics than he was at rugby um Probably at the age of nine, he was his. If we stood back to back, his bottom was in the small of my back. Maybe not nine, maybe a little older. I don't know. So he was always going to have really long legs. So that was always going to help with his event. So um, I think it was a fairly young age that we kind of knew that um, he was going to do well in athletics because he wasn't, he was, he's naturally. Um, he can run all day. He's got a big engine, just as, as Jake has. Um, so we knew he would be good at it. Um, it would just be depending on whether or not he wanted to. Um, and it became apparent that he really did want to uh, get involved heavily with it. And both both Jake and Josh committed really um, early to their, uh, the, the sport that they're involved in. So That's you know, what happens we, when you don't want to do school, huh? 
Well, there is that as well. Uh, school was never really uh, that important. <laughs> I, I think when you won the first NC, was it first NCAA? Um, yeah. What do you call it? Met the mile, indoors. Uh, yeah. Indoors. And then we met Brooks, who wanted to sign you the two years later, and they put a plan that said you were going to go to the Olympics and then potentially do something in a few years' time, as in Paris. It kind of, Was that the first time? Yeah. That freaked, <laughs> freaked me out. Oh, that was like four years ago. <laughs> I know, but I mean, this level, I don't mean being a runner. I knew you wanted to be a runner. We did all the stuff to get to America. I meant actually be in the top three in the world you know at 23 is pretty you know blows your head after after uh reading a little bit of harry potter to josh when he was in his bed as a kid i would always say to him that he was going to be olympic uh, an olympian and i would always say to jake that he was going to play for scotland at rugby so um, um. i'm slightly longer than you then <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool well, that's outrageous from you to be honest four years ago no, sorry I just mean when you did that, that was the first, like the most outstanding global thing you'd done <laughs> on that stage in America. I know you'd done European stuff and I knew you were always going to be awesome, but that was like, oof, next level. Imagine if you would have told Josh that he would have been a wizard and then he could have been in Hogwarts <laughs> and, and fulfilling fulfilling um, his role against the dark arts. But yeah, he's stuck being an Olympian and Olympic medalist and um yeah. Um, yeah. Josh, do you have anything to say to your parents? Um, or do you guys have anything to say to Josh? Cause yeah, we're going to, we're going to slowly wrap up this portion. So Josh can probably yell at me over the podcast, Mike alone. It's <laughs> putting me on the spot. No, I just, I, you know, I think this has been a lovely conversation. I, I mean, look, I think my mom's always given me my speed and determination before I race. Dad's always been annoyingly good at telling me how to race. And so and the reason I'm injury free is because my mom's one of the best physios in the world. And my dad's one of the best mental coaches in the world. So it's the reason I'm here. Well, and mm -hmm. they probably did something about 23 years ago, the reason why you're here, but oh, emotionally, yeah, okay. <laughs> emotionally and physically. Yeah. I, I feel that. So yeah, that's the, and then obviously Jake just, Jake just wrestles me. <laughs> me and him just go back and forth wrestling and telling each other that they need to be better and make more money. So that's another reason I'm here as well. Yeah, no, we're very grateful that you've had us on your podcast. I hope we don't spoil your ratings. <laughs> They're big fans of the pod, so they'll be listening to themselves later, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, let us know when it's out so we can listen to ourselves. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's why Josh and I like podcasting. It's not for the guests, just uh, we like listening to ourselves speak. So we're, 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 we're on the same page there. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I would say from from our point of view, it just goes without saying that we're super proud. So, um, well done. Thank you. Cool. Alrighty. Awesome guys. Thanks for uh, slotting in this time. Um, I'll give you a phone later. Yeah, Josh will give you a phone later. <laughs> I probably won't. So I'll see you on the next time trial. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Awesome. See you guys later. Of course. Bye. You know how to leave the chat, man. There you go. There we go. Sorry about that, Josh. What do you like, brother? A brief you, interruption. See, I feel like a, a proper guest now where you're like picking things out of your hat, being like, oh, well, you <laughs> you're a proper guest. That. All right. Now, now we can get back to the regular scheduled program, folks. But I wanted to get a little bit um, of the reason why Josh is the way that he is. And, and I think with his um, emotional 
tangent and, and his family coming in, he kind of puts into perspective that although Josh is banterish, he's kind of a dickhead over social media. He means super well. And when he wins, we all win and he's someone to root for. Um, so we're going to just go ahead and start um, by getting that Olympic experience going by me. I just want to gloat and say how well I am at predicting these types of things. I don't know if you listen to it, Josh, but yeah, the, the crazy thing is, is like I felt spot on and it wasn't until someone submitted they said in quotes, you know, for how good Dave is at predicting other people's performances, you would think he'd be better at predicting his own. <laughs> I was on a high. That one kind of put me back down, but I'm still yeah. going to ride this high of like that final was almost spot on to my prediction. So if I would have said, if Josh would have taken the lead, I, maybe you would have won, man. Maybe I would have been yeah. able to predict you to win if I would have just said you could have. Maybe, man. Like, I think, you know, I listened to it afterwards. So it was actually quite <laughs> funny because everything you were saying about it's going to be one in sub 330 um you're going to need to be probably 329 or below to to be on the podium obviously all of that's correct you knew it was going to be fast um i said if a I, non, think, if I said if a non uh, non kenyan took the lead from chariot within the first 600 meters he wouldn't win yeah i mean that's yeah i think well that's the thing is like even though they're like they're not none of that safe calls like to 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 just come out and say that that's going to be the fastest Olympic 1500 meters by three seconds in the history of the Olympics, just to come out and say that this is a ballsy statement, but also like it was one of those races where you're in it, but I would love to have watched it as well. Like yeah. it, it was just like, you look around you and you're like, okay, this is, this is the who's who of the last, you know, two or three years in the 1500, like, and the, and that should be in this race. And, you know, other than maybe Lewandowski, like obviously he had a bit of injury problems. Like, yeah. I'm I'm like struggling to find someone who's like world stage level and yeah. that's not in there, you know? Exactly. That, that, and and some things to note too, like, man. yeah, you're hundred percent right in that. And, and like one of the notes of like, there were zero Olympic finalists from 2016 in that final just shows mm -hmm. how fast this event can flip and how competitive it is. And in the previous um, cycle, eight of the 12 from London also made Rio and this that's go around all of a sudden zero make it. That's crazy. I'd be really curious to know the average age of the competitors in that event because it's going to be relatively young. But when you talk about like being a world-class field, so Jakob's ranks and Timothy's ranks in the race. So through 400 meters, Jakob led in 56.2. So Jakob was leading at the, at the first lap, which you probably yeah. all know these things. But what I want to say is the splits I'm going to say are 400, 800, 1200 finish. Jakob went one, two, two, one. Timothy went three. One one two, and for Josh, Josh was in tenth at four hundred meters in fifty seven point three, fifty seven point three. Then he was seventh at eight hundred at one fifty three point two, and then he was fourth at twelve hundred and two forty eight point four, and then he finished in third at three twenty nine point whatever. So that's crazy. So when you talk about the depth of a field and you talk about like it being one of the fastest races in history, the fact that you can go through in fifty seven point three and be tenth out of thirteen guys is epic so i want to talk about my initial reaction for that race was when olivia asked if i think you could medal i said absolutely it just depends on what color but i also mm -hmm. said i was like but he could also not and it's not to say that like he'll be any less and like that episode i i truly truly meant like i don't i didn't care what you did because i just wanted to be able to like walk away proud and and i yeah. think and I think that's a big takeaway because I know for you, it was like metal or bust, gold or bust and things like that. But you've had to put yourself in that frame of mind because you're not a happy to be their guy. 
you listen to a lot of those interviews of some of the guys that were in that com- competition and you look at some of the um the bios of these guys that are in this race a lot of them say i want to make the olympic games that's it that's that's their that's their their goal that's their their dream come true is making the olympics where mm-hmm. you and it's funny you jacob and timothy put uh podium or gold like talked about like meddling you guys were like three of maybe four or five guys in that entire final that talked about making getting a medal. There's a guy from Spain that even said, my goal is to make the semifinals of the Olympics. That's not going to get Fontes or uh, that was, that Michelle. was a uh, McCall Adele, Michelle Adele, Michelle Adele yeah. or whatever. He's a good lad. Yeah. So, and like, that's not for me to take away from their dreams. Cause these guys have achieved no. far more than I have, but it's just to say that like you had to go in the, this all or nothing mindset. But at the end of the day, if you got 10th, I'd still want you to be proud of your performance, even though I know that would be hard to swallow. I'm proud of you. And, and I hope you're proud of yourself. I think like, so it's one of those things that like, I'm here now, what do I do next? Um, if you're not at the top, it's always like, if you don't win something, you're like, okay, how do we, how do we win? And, yeah. but like for me, when I, going into the race, like I said it a bunch of times, like I just want to run sub 330. And so that's why I was quite far back at 400. And so, you know, Danny was like, okay, we want to be like kind of mid to, you know, top pack. And if some someone goes like, go with it, but if you're in a situation, just use your head and, and like think things through because my initial reaction in my race mind is, is very good if, if it's switched on. And so like, I knew that we were running really, really fast. And I also knew how good I was feeling. So it was like, as soon as I went through 400, I, all I, all I said to myself was, okay, you're trying to run sub 330 now. That's it. Like, yeah, like I'm too far back to, to cover moves quickly. If someone goes, all I need to do is like really, really, really switch on and run good splits for the first three laps. And then you can, you can go home after that. And so for me, it was like, okay, like it was, it's really, it's a big confidence boost just passing people all the time. Oh yeah. And sure. so I was like, that's why like my second lap was faster. My third lap was faster. And then I closed is because I was like, I was just passing people. And I was like, next, like pass someone, next one, next one, next one, next one. And then, so like, that, that was my goal as I was like, okay, like I'm running splits to run sub 330. That's what I know is going to take to medal. Like that's, that's all I need to think about. And then with 500 to go, I was like, all right, it's hunting season. Like let's, let's get after it. Let's, let's get these guys in front of me. And, and, and just with 250, if I'm being honest, I knew that was the moment in 2019 where I could have meddled and yeah. I didn't have the strength to medal. Yeah. And so all that was going through my head is like, you, you, you never let that happen again. Like, that's what I've been telling myself for two years. Like we, we, this just never happens again. So it went through my mind. I was like, huh, this is great. Cause I feel awesome. And yeah. so I could see the guys ahead of me. And then I was like, I, I just like focus on bronze right now because like the, the battle, um, I forgot his name now, the Kenyan. The chariot or Kip Sang? the kip saying kip saying's really good like there's no there's no doubting it and i was sitting on him we were gaining on the top two yeah was just sitting on chariot to be honest but we were gaining on him and i could have swung wide and gone earlier and tried to get silver and me and danny have spoken about this he's like look i've watched it a couple times and then if you watch it more than two times this is what this is actually what would have happened if you'd done that you you swing wide you go for it kip saying so the reason that Kip Sang was fourth is he gave up with 50 meters to go because he yeah. knew he wasn't going to get third. Yeah. But it wasn't that he was too tired. He just knew that he wasn't going to beat me. And so he just like pulled up and he knew he had fourth. So if I'd gone past him in the last hundred 
I'd kind of been falling apart a little bit more. Yeah. And he, he if he smelled blood, he could have come after me and I could end yeah. up fourth. So like my big goal was just make sure that I'm staying as close to the rail as possible, come wide, throw everything at it, get really emotional on that last hundred. And then once I knew I'd beaten him for third, that's when I went for second. And, you know, people might blame me for that. Some people might be like, oh, you should always be going for the win. But to be honest, like I could have much, much, I could have, it would have been easier for me to be fourth and second there. Yeah. hundred percent. And so I'm not, I'm not like whenever I hear someone like, oh, he was so close to second. It's like, you haven't watched the race enough times yeah. to know no, that I, I, was, I, agree with that. I was actually closer to be fourth. So. Yeah. And, and when I'm, when I'm not like defending you, but like to add like an insight from like my perspective, not being in the race and watching the race. Um, for one, I think it's really cool. A really cool parallel that you bring up 2019 to 2021, because I didn't actually really connect that, but you were pretty much in the exact same position. Yeah. Like if you guys wanted to like do some deep dive research, watch 2019, the last lap and then watch Tokyo's last lap and see where Josh is on that backstretch. Cause you're exactly right. You fell apart there in, in, um, Doha, but you didn't do that. Yeah. So in Tokyo, and that's just learning and experience and you obviously being like rock hard mindset to, to get that done. But the thing is, is I think you still ran the best race that you could run to even win gold. Like yeah. you could have done that front run thing as well with, with Chariot and, and Jakob. But I think the fact that you were in a hunting position that whole time is what actually propelled you forward. You almost got silver, you know, yeah. you got bronze and it's not even like you're settling for that. It's more so just like, that's how that race played out. And I guarantee that all the majority of that field would wish they did what you did. Um, and I want to add, I, if you would have got, I would have rather you gotten fifth than fourth or fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th than fourth, because, and this, this is not to, to accuse anyone, but let's say five years from now, the podium or someone on the podium and you got fourth, they test positive for something, they get banned. Yeah. What I would feel terrible about is you then missing out on that moment, emotion, experience, that celebration, because somebody did that. Yeah. So it happens so much. It happens so often. Yeah. You it's can, so you can sad, man. It's so sad. And that's the biggest thing that, that kills me about doping is, is it's not the fact that people are gaining an advantage in their own athletic performance. If they want to do that, cool. Still fuck them. That's annoying. But what it, what kills me is when they take away those moments from other people. And so for me, I was like, just get third, like just at least get on the podium. So if you get a medal upgrade at this point, it's, you still got a medal, but yeah. if you're like fourth and then all of a sudden they're like the new Olympic medalist, it's just like, God, like screw that person. So that, I'm happy that, that yeah. it played out the way that it did. That happened to Kyle Langford in 2017. He was mm -hmm. fourth, like just in the 800. And I think he got upgraded recently, but you don't know the monetary value that comes with these medals. Like his, his, like contract is so different, especially Nike contracts are so different when you medal and like, like that half a second, whatever. And you stealing that, like you're stealing money from people at that point yeah. as well. Like not only you're stealing their moment and their hard work, you're stealing money from them as well. So no, it's disgusting. I think, you know, for me, yeah, I think get getting a medal off my back is, is a good thing coming into the next three years because I can, I, I, I know I've never ran for third. I didn't run for third in that race. I just ended up battling for third. Yeah. But I know that now that's done, I, I'm, I'm going to be able to, to just risk a lot more and, yeah. and, you know, you know, do, do riskier tactics, but, and to, to try and go for a goal because that's, that's the end result. You know, I'm not here, I'm not here and, and working my whole life to something and 
walk away with third and, and be happy with that. You, you, you know, you're running to be the best in the world or something. So if that's a world champs, if that's an Olympics, if that's whatever, like that's, that's the goals for the next three years is, is go world champ, world champ, Olympic champ. And, and if you don't think like that, like you're just, you're just you're wasting not, time, you know, yeah, you're just not doing it exactly. right. Exactly. So what, what about some of the surprises? I actually, I don't know if you listened to the final episode that you and I had leading into the Olympics, but I cut out some of the, the, the comments that you had about competitors going in. Cause I didn't want it to be, cause there was some of the comments were relatively aggressive and I took those out because I was like, I don't want to put Josh out there like this to, let's say, not like I was expecting a bad result, but like in the event that something bad happened, I didn't want any backfire on you. Right. So now let's talk about like the surprises. Were there any surprises in the men's 1500? Like overall? I'm going to be, uh, yeah, I'll be completely honest with some things. Um, I knew only one American would make it to the final. I didn't like it the way it happened. Like yeah. I, I'm absolutely gutted for Nagus, I think. You know, I, he warmed up, like I watched him warm up. And, and after the first round, like I was obviously distraught with my own performance and then he was just sitting there. So I went and spoke to him and it was just like, it was horrible, man. Like, you know, he worked so hard. He had such a good year and he didn't even get to try. And, and that's horrible. And so that's a shame about that. Um, but what I will say is Cole Hawker, he obviously gets a lot of hype from Americans because they need like they need to like they need to be rooting for someone. He is really really good. Like uh, I I looked at him before and I was like you know college kid obviously really really good really ran really well at trials but it's U.S. trials so who can really tell about that <laughs> and uh, and he was the three thirty five guy like I know how much of a difference it is between a three thirty five guy and a low three thirty guy and I was like he's got a lot of work to do. And I thought his race tactics sometimes were a little bit flawed, but you know what? I think he, I think he took a massive step in his career at the Olympics. I think he ran extremely well. And I think he has got a fantastic future ahead of him. I really hope he signs pro and, and just goes for it from there. Because I think on the U S side of things, I think racing domestically is going to be a lot more exciting when you've got the likes of him, him, uh, myself, Ollie Hoare, like three Olympic finalists, just U S based. Yeah. I think that's going to step the whole US 1500 meter running up a level because you have to be in low 330 shape to even come out with a domestic win. Right now, you could be a 335, 336 guy and come out with a domestic win. And so I think he's doing a fantastic job, um, which I wasn't surprised by, but I was definitely like, I'd never raced him before and I, I watched his races. I was like, huh. You got some he respect. Makes some, he makes some errors, and but he wins. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I think I think he he surprised me in how good he was, to yeah. be honest. No, absolutely. I mean, like if you look um his splits for that final, I mean that was obviously PB, six of the top eight PB'd in that event. Um he went 57, 153, 250, 331. So mm. he still closed in a 41 second last 300 going through in 250. And he's young. I mean, like the, the fact of the matter is is he might actually be like the he was the youngest guy in the final, younger than Jakob. Mm-hmm. He might be the, the most undertrained guy in that entire field, too. Yes. I know yeah. that it's been a long year and Ben Thomas's training and warm-ups are, you know, somewhat <laughs> strange. We've talked about that with an episode with Cole, but he does have a lot of potential. And I think it's actually kind of cool to objectively look at the 1500 for the Americans and think like there is a good amount of hope that there like a medal could come again um very soon in that event. But for him to be able to step up and run a PB, a PB in the fi- and then have the final pb in the final is is massive because 
he, he is legit and he's a real deal. Um, hopefully he signs with Brooks and that, and that can be a cool announcement. Um, uh, you know, no threat I'm not from sure me. sure we can I, afford him, mate. Yeah, no kidding. We can barely afford you at this point. I, I'm sure you're like <laughs> holding the sit and kick podcast sponsorship down by its throat and saying like, give me the money. Don't, don't reimburse people. Um, speaking of, if you guys got Venmos, it's because Josh locked us out of the Venmo account because he forgot the passcode. Uh, I talked about that before, but he's back in. So Josh, I need about $400, um, sent over to me. Yeah, but we're going to keep this rolling. I know we're getting close to about 50 minutes and we want to keep you guys, um, for as long as you want, but as long as we want to talk, which I could talk all day, as you know, from my solo episode. (laughs) Um, but what, what's your, what's the inside knowledge to tell the fans? Like what, what, what could you, you give uh, some, is that what you want me to say with that? Like what, what's some, yeah. some inside stuff that, that could be thrown to them that they wouldn't know? Okay. So this is like, I've had a fair few questions about this. Like, so if you watch the race back and you look at me afterwards, like you can tell I'm really, really pissed, like straight after the race. And everyone thinks it's because I got like got bronze and not silver, but it's not. So okay. what happened was, um, I knew I got bronze. Like I didn't even actually think about it. Like I, like I wasn't, I, and you know, mentally, even if you're 0.01, like, you know, you you're not there. Um, so I knew I wasn't there, but I was looking at the screen for one reason. And it was, it was the, the British record. Like, so the British record is 328.81. And I, it, it's a considerable bonus for me. <laughs> Let's just say. Um, Here, wait, and- let me, let me add salt to the injury. So you were this close. From now, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like so close. Now and now. <laughs> Wait, one more. That's about a, that's so, a couple oh, thousand pounds. A couple hundred thousand pounds. Now, now. Sick, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. No, so I was looking at that and it like, uh, it's crazy how your mind can switch from like, oh, this is awesome to like money. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> like I saw because because the clock stops right, and I saw yeah. like, stop at twenty eight three, and I was like gotta think i was less than half a second you know and, yeah. and i just wasn't uh, and i was i was like damn man that would have been fun but also i walked the british record but it was just like because you can obviously now i'm like I, i've ran through 29 i'm trying to run through 26 through 27 but like being in that shape is is very difficult to get to it's not something you do every day so it was just well, one of those things i was like ah, oh, damn oh well yeah, but, yeah i mean it's, was, it's funny when someone asked in an interview after the race and they said uh how does it feel to be the second all-time Brit? And you say, it sucks. Or what did you say? Well, the thing is, they were like, oh, you're faster than Cole, Vet, Cram, you know, obviously all, all the 1,500 guys now. The only the only person that's faster than you is, is Mo Farah. And, like, I'm not here to be not the fastest in the UK. If I'm trying to be some of the fastest in the world, then I'm in the fastest Olympic final in history. Like, I'm trying to be the best somewhere. And so you not only told me that I was third today, you're telling me I'm second elsewhere. Like, oh, great. Like I'm, I, I want to be a British record holder. And I think it's going to be very difficult if I don't, I don't, I don't think that if I get the British record first, that I'm going to keep it for more than a year. Like myself, Whiteman, Jake Hayward was phenomenal in this championships. You know, uh, Neil Gurley is obviously injured at the moment, but he's coming back. Chris O'Hare coming back. Charlie, like, like, it's just, it's silly. It's like, you know, we're going to be, it's it's fun having the Scottish record under 330. I think that's crazy because it was 333 like five years ago. And so, um, yeah, I just, I really want the British record. Um, do you, do you have anything to it. add? Yeah, keep going. Uh, we, we just need it to be like, if you want to keep it, it's got to probably have to be in the 26s. Yeah. 
Um, do you want to say anything about the fact that three Brits made the final again and you're undefeated oh, two Americans I? in major championship finals? Do I do I? Oh no, I don't I don't want to gloat. I do. So <laughs> again, we're the only country to put three men in the final. There was there was twos. There was Spain had two, Australia had two, Kenya had two, America had one. Um that's embarrassing, isn't it? America uh, had as many as Luxembourg. Jeez, that's crazy. Point point and to Luxembourg on the map and you and you'll you'll get a gold star for that. <laughs> three thirty-three five didn't make the Olympic final. And Team GB put three men in the final. That's so hard to do. Like getting knocked out in the rounds like is so easy. And I was close to it. Uh, Hayward was a small cue to get into the final. I mean, he he just handled himself phenomenally throughout the championships. It was like he, it was like he just didn't care. It was the Olympics. It was like you know this is just another championship race, and the kid loves to win races. So that was very cool. But yeah, I think again, like I think we could have had an a fourth person in on the GB team, and and he still would have made the final personally, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. which is crazy to say. Um, but yeah, I think it's just. It's consistency, man. And, and I said, I said in interviews is like, if we're going to consistently put three in the final, we're going to consistently get medals. And that's what we want. It's like, we want it to be, obviously it's a very hard time to be a 1500 meter runner um, anywhere in the world, because for some reason, everyone's decided to be really good. Um, but it just makes it really, really exciting. And, you know, we're going to keep doing it and the Americans are going to keep chatting on Instagram and Twitter and whatever. But if you're not going to have the results, you just, you can't chat, man. And we have another year of chatting now. Yeah, we have another year and of chatting. Really and exciting. it's going to be insult to injury even more. And I think what's going to be crazy is leading into a world championships on U.S. soil is going to is gonna be huge. So the Brit, the Brit boys are going to have to, the Billy boys, I think that's an Irish uh, gang from the 40s, but the Billy boys are going to have to uh, come together and rally against the United States because it's going to be home turf. And imagine, yeah. imagine home turf for the U.K. I mean, you. 2017 i'm sure like that was that was hard to get knocked out that first round on home soil you know you haven't had phenomenal yeah. performances in london you really haven't um other than like maybe a 353 354 but at this point i can do that so i don't think you Wasn't need to good, really man. think that was a good job so home soil next year is going to be a lot of banter um for the americans and i think that's going to maybe light some fires but i also think some people are going to get lit up in flames from it so um you keep doing your thing and you're gonna you're gonna to shock the world with with the fellow brits in those finals so yeah. super dope um so i want to do there's one more question oh yeah i want to do kind of like a rapid fire thing to to kind of like transition us out of the olympic talk if you're if you're good on some of the things we covered yeah, um, yeah. and then we can start going into post-season plans and then also hit up the um fan submitted questions so my quick rapid fire questions i just thought about it i want to like you don't even have to do like small responses but like quick responses in that like what were the conversations like with some of your competitors so what was like with um Jakob quick conversation what was it uh congrats man let me get the next one was probably the thing I said to him after the podium I think nice. I, I for me it was just like not getting in the way of his moment um because I don't know him all that well so I just congratulated him let him have his moment I spoke to him um pre-medal ceremony uh obviously a little bit in the press conference and stuff like that and for him it was just like he's put his whole life into this and he got what he wanted and I, I'm not saying that he's giving up now, but I'm saying he got to the highest level of the sport. He's going after the world record next year. Do I see him 
winning Paris? No, um, because of how much it's taken for him to get here. But yeah. I, I just was like, respect, man. Like, um, I en- enjoy racing him, and because it's 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 super tough to do. And he, and he was jogging that last fifty as well. Yeah. And so it's yeah. Yeah. Conversation with Cole. I didn't really speak to him all that much. He's 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 a quiet boy, but you know, I think. From yeah, I I only spoke to like a couple of Brits and stuff because because we were getting fired around everywhere. But I mean, what I would have said to him is, um, go pro, but also like you've handled yourself unbelievably well here. You're a phenomenal athlete, and make sure you've got the right people on your side, make like helping you make decisions. It's probably yeah. what I would say. I want to know the conversation with you and Jake. You guys have been longtime boys, and I know he wanted a medal for his country, and you got it. We dis- we discussed this because. If, if you watch the women's 800 again, put three women in the final of the, of the Massive. 800 crazy. And so Keely gets her silver Gemma gets kind of dipped into fourth place. And we were like, Oh, that must be so hard for Gemma. Cause he, she has to be excited for Keely because they were, they're a tight group of girls as well. Uh, and Alex Bell, they all have to be excited for Keely, but like, they're also disappointed and they're like, Oh, that must be really hard. And, and you know, I you know, me and Jake had an, a nice hug, and and he congratulated me. And he was he was very excited for me, and he was. But I could tell, like, because he's so good, and I think he just wasn't strong enough in that moment to do, you know, the 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 three races being a really high level. But he's he's a legend, man. He was he was super nice, and he held his emotions probably to himself, because uh, I couldn't. If if you didn't know him, you couldn't tell. Like he was like just excited for me but I knew I know that's gonna light a fire in him because if I had watched him get a medal which he easily could have I'm gonna say he could have easily medaled any one of those guys could have medaled on the day if it was just handled differently exactly um I I would have obviously been extremely proud of him but it's like you like in those situations where you're the highest level of sport in your own sport it's like if you're watching someone else do what you want to do it's it's tough so like I don't like there's nothing I could have done or said to make him feel better other than he knows like he's like okay I'm going back to work and um, I'm going to be in that position myself so yeah I think he was he was really nice both both him and Hayward were super super nice about it but I knew that they were a little bit disappointed in their own performances yeah absolutely and and that's understanding especially at the pinnacle of the sport I don't want to talk about how unoriginal UK people are when they name their kid Jake Jake and Josh they probably could have done a little bit better my brother's Jake as well some creativity there one sec I gotta look at my dog what's he doing Oh, classic day. He's just sitting there. He probably has to go to the bathroom soon. So um, You'll just know that for this podcast, I'm going to let him shit in the house. Um, so for Ollie Hoare, um, what do you guys, you guys probably had some good, good talk or banter there. So quick conversation with him. I had, uh, he was really, really nice afterwards as well. Cause I had like, it all kind of hit me a little bit when I was walking towards media, like, cause I walked a moment before, like after being on the track and before media. So I had a little bit of a crouch down and he came and congratulated me, but we had a, really long talk um actually when we were both pretty drunk that night at like 5 a.m and just kind of wanted the best for each other and want to race each other more because like it obviously looked like and the banner was that we were dodging each other on the u.s circuit but for us both to be helping each other and bet being better we were just discussing like hey let's let's discuss race plans before the season and and let's match up for a couple and let's go out and battle and and try and make each other better so i mean he he also race phenomenally well um and just again like it's tough to say you had a bad race and like a race that went 328 in after two days of competition and the fifth day of like mental stress from everything but yeah he probably didn't do as well as he wanted to 
but I mean, the way he had this, this is his first global championship. So yeah, we just, we were chatting and just kind of chatting about, uh, racing in life and how we're going to make us city on me a runner better. So yeah, well, that, you're it. certainly doing that already. Um, so then the last two people I want to know one person in track that, um, was a good conversation that wasn't in your heat. And then finally one person outside of the sport of track that was an Olympian that you had a good discussion with and like exclude Marta from that. Cause I'm sure you maybe talked to Marta while you were there, but someone in yeah. track, someone that was not a track athlete. That's difficult, man. Cause like, hmm. I'm a, I'm a bit of a loner when it comes to things. Like I really like to spend time. I don't, I'm not really a social bee when it comes to these. Like wow, champs. I, I had no idea. <laughs> and, and so like, but what I will say is when I watched Keely do get her medal and we were playing pool the next day and she came down and she was showing us all and telling us her whole experience. I, I was speaking to her for a bit and then everyone was kind of like fanboying over her medal and I just walked off and was like, I need to do that. I need, I can't stand there and look at someone else's medal and, and be happy for someone. But even though I was extremely happy for them, like that lit a fire. I was like, that's me. I have to do that. Like I need that. And yeah. so that conversation was really cool where, you know, she had, she was getting all these media requests and she was, you know, she was getting tweets from all these famous people and she, everyone was like, Oh my God, you're like a superstar. I was like, uh, I, just, I was like, okay, that's exactly what I want. I want everyone to look at me cause I'm a big headed boy. So like, I just took myself away for that. So, and then outside the sport, I, it's, it's tough. Like, obviously I was talking about that audiobook that I'm listening to. And that was, that was like just my big mentality. It's like, if you're not going to risk anything, you're not going to get anything. So risk being that it could end up in disaster um, and just go for it. And that's listening to the, the greats, not the ones that win one Olympic medal. It's the ones that win Olympic medal and run a world record and do that. Like the Usain Bolts, the Ronnie O'Sullivan's, the, you know, the Alistair Brownleys, like those are the guys that are like, Doing Since when it. did and, you know names? Man, I've always known names. I just sit in the back seat. You know, <laughs> I, I let the, the likes of Dave be the stat guy. So okay. that was probably a big thing for me listening to that. And I, I had a lot of conversations with my mindfulness coach and, and Danny. And, and, and those were, I mean, da Danny's amazing, man. Like underrated. You should have seen underrated. some of the stuff that he was like sending me between rounds. Like, he knows my body so much better than I know my own body. And it, I know it's like, like, he's like, well, we did this then. And that's how it made you feel. So like, this is like, he was changing plans constantly throughout the champs. And it's like, this is what we need to do. If your body feels flat, like go and do this run and do these exercises. Cause that's what works with like, I don't know, man. He, he was just like, I was like, you take the reins. I'll listen to you. I'll do what I'm doing. I'll told, but man's, man's crazy knowledgeable and i know that i wouldn't have felt as confident staying on the star line if i was coached by anyone else and yeah. so i want like yeah, people, people chat shit um about the beasts all the time and that's fine like but do not chat shit about danny mackey he is a phenomenal coach yeah and, and i agree with you 100 percent. and i kind of because rule 40 is over like if you wanted to go on a tangent of thanking people you certainly can but i want to i texted danny right after your final. I said, congratulations, Coach Mackey. Your hard work and everything you do goes noticed. With this medal, hopefully the world sees you as the coach we do. And he goes, thanks, David. I'm just really happy for Josh and this team. Your respect is what I care about. As far as the rest of the world, I'll take the Conor McGregor approach and don't give a fuck. And like, that's, I told him like, perfect response. That's a Danny yeah. response. Like, yeah. he cares about the people that he coaches. If anyone has opinions of him, he doesn't care. And his, his number one priority is the, our respect and our success. And he lives 
and Breeze are, are, are performances probably too much at times. And he's talked about that, but that's what makes him a good coach is he's passionate. He cares. And he's so knowledgeable and he knows yeah. bodies and he knows our bodies. And so, yeah, Danny, Danny, I, I wanted to give Danny thanks in that. And yeah. because he, and he may be a guest, like maybe we do just bring him on to, to shoot shit because we haven't had a coach on, but Danny knows his shit. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, big ups to you too. Um, I want to transition out. If you're good with that um, of the Olympic chat, do you want to say one more thing? No, no, no. I'm just trying oh, to give a thumbs up. up. Sorry, my, yeah, my text were over your, your screen. So, um, yeah. So postseason plans, Josh, I know you went to Vegas. I have a dog um, that you would, you would get rid of your medal for. You would still be an Olympic medalist, but you just wouldn't have yeah. a physical copy. Um, exactly. So you've been hung over. What, what was Vegas? How much money did you win or lose? $13. You won, won. $13. Yeah, how much, you did, how much did you gamble at one time? Depends who you ask. Um, no, I didn't gamble that much. Um, my buddies did a bit more. I get in trouble from Lamar for betting too much money. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I only only took out a couple hundred and and I won thirteen. And I was like, you know, Josh, stop yourself, stop yourself, take yourself away from the table. That's that's big money. You can get at least a foot long with that. Um, so no, it was it was it was fun. And I think there's a, there's an importance of switching off. And that's like if you want to be the most elite runner you can, or in any sport, if you're unable to switch off, you will never get there. Um, for me, like Vegas is not something that I'm like a big Vegas guy. I love going out and betting and going to strip clubs and all that stuff. And we didn't actually end up. Yeah, we, we, club, you, you, well, you didn't go to a strip club? No, I actually didn't. It was actually we go, super We tame. go to a strip club in Albuquerque, but we don't go to a strip club. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> Theoretically. But, uh, yeah, we, yeah, so we, we just had fun. We were eating in buffets and betting and playing craps and all playing together and um yeah it was fun because I, I needed to switch off and th yeah. that was like a moment where i was like i can go and switch off and i do feel like i'm on my break now and and that was a big thing danny was saying as well it's like if you're able to switch that the mind off for just like even if it's a couple of weeks then you can just be more locked in when it's time to, to lock it in and and that was a problem that i had in 2019 is like there was a little break between october 7th which was our last round at worlds and then I think it was October 28th was or 29th was the first day that we met and I was unable to take time. Like I, the first day, the first day of practice, I had driven from Vegas that day. And so it was like, I, I just was in two minds and it went on too long. And, and so, yeah, just switching off was just super important, but yeah, no, you know, Dave's got a dog. He probably can't go on holiday. He's just me you know, mopping up, pissing shit for the next three weeks and um, that's gonna be his holidays it's funny i actually i met with my sports psych i'm what i'm doing is i'm doing a debrief with literally everyone like my sports psych my agent danny and i'm gonna meet with a physio because i want to get a, like a, an absolute debrief of everything and my main objective like i was telling um my sports psych i was like we're not going to talk during my break but when we come back in october i want my lens to be here like yeah. i want her to know that like my focus and my goals are very very real and for those listening, when I say my lens, it's like really, really wide. And as we get closer to the year or as like competitions, I want my lens to focus because Josh knows it's like, I do have a hard time switching off or like letting loose or relaxing. So like my plans for the fall are like taking training very serious. But if we're having a couple blue moons, I'll have a couple more blue moons. Like I want to be yeah. able to be present in the moment because that's ultimately what Josh has been trying to tell me since September, 2019. And since the Olympic trials, I've been more present than I've ever been in my life. And I've had the best results. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to get all switched on there, but 
yeah, my goals next year. Um, I want to, I want to embrace the community of track and field, get people excited about my career in the sport and achieve a lot of great things with a lot of great people around me. That's my big goal. And right now my lens is wide and, and I want to have some fun, celebrate birthdays, celebrate having a dog, um, celebrate Olivia's birthday on the 25th. Can't be a podcast episode without her mention. <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm excited for the future and I'm excited to honestly hang out with you and, and have you up here. Um, I'm sure you're probably going to put a massive down payment on a house in Seattle and, and finally move up here now, Josh. Huh? Yeah. So let's yeah, talk about, fine. do you want to talk about goals for next year or are you totally switched off? Well, you know, I, I, I mean, so I have had to redo my whiteboard now. Um, like, I think I'm a big believer in writing your goals down looking at them every day. I think, I think people, the people that do that are able to stay a little bit more accountable. Um, and to be honest, yeah, yeah. Like if I want to be world champ next year, I'm going <laughs> to, I might have to go after the world record. So, you know, the, these kind of goals um, that I have are, are probably going to be very, very lofty. So I think if, if I'm trying to be world champ then I need to be able to run in the 326s. So, you know, that's for me, actually a big goal um, is allowing the team, like allowing this medal to elevate the team. And the way that that's done is they've watched me be an idiot. They've watched me sit in my chair, be lazy, be dumb and, and then do what I did. So for me, it's like, Henry took a big step up this year, starts winning races. Dave won your first race as a professional last yeah. week. And he hit a four a that was untelevised. Yes. Who cares? Hey, like, look at those splits, Josh. I ran it like a 5K. Look at the splits. I was within 0 0.02 for the first three laps. Really? I'm just saying that's going to be a great 5K coming up. Switched on. Switched on. Like, I just think that, <laughs> like, the training Henry's doing, he can be a low 330, 330, 331 guy. Isaac, he just needs a little bit of a break, like, um, like a little bit of luck because he's, he's been a bit unlucky in the last couple of years with certain things. Guy's a 330 guy. Dave has just found a new event that he, for some reason is insane at starts to win races. Like we just need to have a winning mentality. Kidder was amazing this year. Like yeah, absolutely the way that he moved himself. Like I, I can't keep talking about everyone because everyone's looking good, but like if I'm able to show and, and the girls as well, like Nia, like is a winner, man. She just loves winning races, like things like that. Like if we can just, if we can just have a mentality, that's just a little bit more, we are the shit, then we will be the shit. And yeah, so absolutely. that's for me, like super important. And, and yeah, I obviously spent trying to spend as much time as possible with the team next year. Right now, it's just like, I need to spend time with, with family and I'm trying to, trying to get home and, and things like that. But yeah, I think it just changed. It should change the mentality of the whole team being like, look, if, if this dipshit can figure it out, then why the hell can we not? Because I'll get my ass beat in training all year um, by Dave and by Isaac. Uh, I can still beat Henry's ass. But um, like those guys are super strong and I just want it for them to just take confidence from where I'm at, to be honest. And that's like a big thing for me. Yeah. Give a good smile. I'm going to screenshot. Um, I, and I think that's totally true because what, what, that, uh, what you did is you showed how genuine you can be like you're literally yourself and and you did the things that you did. And I think yeah. that's what people are going to take away from that is people can be themselves. They don't have to be you. They don't have to be me. They can just be themselves and they can achieve the things they want to achieve. And that's ultimately what you did. And it's no, it's no coincidence that everyone's had the year that they've had, mm. you know, like success breeds success and success is contagious. And I think that this is like, 
I think this is the turning point. I think, I think you, when you signed on to the team, you signed on to a team with a lot of question, a lot of um, question marks around if Danny's going to coach, if the athletes are good enough to be at the professional level. And I would say that in this first Olympic cycle that you and I have been through together with the team, we've legitimized ourselves. Olympic medalist, Olympic semifinalist, uh, three fifth place finishes at the Olympic trials. That's a terrible spot to be in, but think about 2016. Yeah. You know, I don't know if a lot of whole, a lot of whole people made those finals where this year we only had two people not make the final out of a team of 10 to team of 12. Yeah. So, and everyone raced at their championships. There was no injuries there. Some people had underlying things, but everyone raced at their major championships and succeeded to some capacity. Yeah. So I think you're right. And I, and I think that come this fall, I am going to kick your ass and I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but I'm also looking forward to getting my ass kicked in beer dice. And I'm looking forward to yeah. you know, lying low and having a good time. But when it comes to the next year, I think what you've done is only going to transcend our entire team and just to a location that we've never been before. And that's going to be, that's going to be the showtime. That's going to be the onstage curtains open. Let's do yeah. a performance. Cause it's, it's going to be good. So yeah, exactly. let's, let's rotate into these fan submitted questions, Josh. We're wrapping up into 75 minutes. Um, this Jeez. is longer than you've, um, go on. Just, yeah. You know, <laughs> Uh, you know what it I was going to say. It is also for me that this is like a three rounder if, if we're being honest. So let's kind of just skim through these. We've got a lot of submissions from you guys really appreciate them. Um, there's some of them that we're not going to go through um, just because I feel like we've answered a couple of these things in terms of like the, the fortunate situation we're in with Brooks and then providing for us. And I want to quickly add, I might've said this before, but if you focus on the fact that like we're wearing competitor spikes, I think you're missing the mark here. Because I want, I want it to be known that like we're both sponsored by Brooks. And if there's a story that you should focus on opposed to what Spike we're wearing, let's focus on the fact that Brooks signed every single athlete that signed in the year of 2019 through the pandemic. They didn't drop anyone because of no races. They didn't drop anyone because of the pandemic. They didn't drop anyone or reduce anyone because the Olympics didn't happen. They, st- hey, they stayed true to their contracts and to us saying, hey, we understand this was unfortunate. We understand this was out of your guys' control and we're here to support you. My contract ended at the t- year 2020. I had to renegotiate a new contract in the pandemic when I was injured. And I'm thankful for that. And I hopefully they're thankful that I resigned because that's the company that Brooks is. They stand for success and they stand for us. And it's so cool to, to be able to represent a brand at a capacity that we're representing them now to show how good of a brand they are. I know Josh got asked a question in Tokyo that was like, how did it feel to sign with Brooks? And he's like, can I answer that? And rule 40 was like, no, but now Josh can, can open up and we can open up and talk about how great of a company Brooks is. So yes, we are in competitor spikes at the moment, but Brooks literally said, we are putting in hundreds of thousands of dollars to develop this, this line of product to make you guys the most competitive product in the world. Instead of seeing pumped. Yeah. They, see, they saw the fault. They saw the, they saw the misdirection of their products, but they adapted and they changed and they're doing it for us for a group of 12 athletes. We're like, Bricks does not sign a lot of, or have a lot of athletes in the world, but the athletes that they do have, they treat incredibly well. I'm sure there's yeah. some horror stories and people have these nightmare stories with every contract and every company that they've worked with. So I'm sure you could probably find one about Brooks, but from our perspective and the way that we are treated, hear it from us first that if we're in competitor spikes, that's not to say that Brooks is not an incredible company because they support us to the fullest capacity. I have to work the second job in podcast because I don't make <laughs> enough money. No, I'm kidding. I don't have to do this. I'm doing this for fun. Yeah. And Brooks allows us to be who we are. So 
that's my tangent to all those questions submitted about competitor product. And that's, and that's Dave getting his quarterly payments more. <laughs> <laughs> Brooks, uh, you can invoice me at DMR professional. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, even just to finish that up, I mean, the amount of people that got reduced and taken off their contracts, not only did they pay us on time, they re-signed all, all I think four or five contracts that were up. Um, yep. And and gave opportunities, so that's just silly. I'm just excited. I'm excited for, you know, we have conversations with our spike team. I think mine's on Monday, and they're just so passionate, and I just cannot wait to help them, and um, because the the stuff the, the people that are on board that make our spikes are so good, and they now have the budget to be amazing, and so I just can't wait to to represent, um, the the brand in in a, in a daily in the day to day and and go and race and run 326 and be like like this is this is because of brooks and big, i, I big think that's middle really finger really to the competitor time. companies that like to siphon money from the athletes <laughs> yeah something like that something like that all something right like so let's that. rapid fire through some of these responses um do you want to talk on what it's going to take for you to beat jacob or Jakob? time time <laughs> that's a good that's a good good way to do it um is it any surprise that half tights dominated the 1500 sorry jake and stewie <laughs> look like you don't want to see you don't want to see my my meaty legs. I mean that the the half to I'm not going to roast Adidas, but the, some of the some of the gear for Team GB was a little bit ropey. Um, those half tights were felt like a bit more like, like three quarter length tights. The old knees were definitely not cold. Um, but yeah, no, it was. Yeah, I think you can't you can't go split shorts if you're looking to be if you're going to be streaming through the you know three minutes and twenty nine seconds. You know, yep. so. Choose two, Josh, if you have them up. Uh, I do have them up, mate, but they all seem to be... I'm is scrolling. Josh allowed to dog sit? Um, you know, it's funny. I almost said in the podcast episode of me predicting the final, I almost said if Josh medals, I'll have the middle name be Kerr for my dog. And I'm so oh. happy that that never got aired. Um, so I'll say it now. Josh could dog sit. He's honestly a good dog. He's just been sleeping at my feet this whole time. And oh, really? It's it's honestly I've got asked if like I've had buyer's remorse. Which for one, you don't ask if you have buyer's remorse for a living creature. That's kind of fucked up. Um, so no, I don't have buyer's remorse. Um, I love the little dude. He's a fun guy to have in in my life. And his name's Alfie Josh, based off of uh, oh. Alfie from uh, Peaky Blinders. Oh really? Yeah, Alfie. That's actually sick. Yeah. So he because he um he's got a bunch of like different patterned fur with a brown and black. So. It, the, the joke is like Alfie has psoriasis and Peaky Blinders. So he, we, we jokingly say that our Alfie yeah. does too, has like a little skin condition. He doesn't. Um, <laughs> but, Dave, will you leave the beasts? You or me? Yeah, you. No, I mean like right now, the trajectory that I have is so good with the beasts and the trajectory that our team has. I don't think there's going to be a hotter team when it comes to the future. I don't feel like anyone will. Like I don't, I don't think so either. Other than me, obviously. Obviously. Um, Josh Kirk. I'm unable <laughs> for a long time. Let's I was going to say, say you're probably going to retire before you uh, have the choice to leave. So yes, pretty much. <laughs> um, okay. Here's a question that I, I was asked if you would have won gold, would you have considered retirement early on in your career? Like, uh, no. Cause as soon as you win something like that or like metal, like it's where you start making all your money. So yeah, I, I didn't mean necessarily like that year, but I meant like, uh, would if let's say you won Olympic gold in 2021, would you still push for Paris? Yeah, I think because I'm cause as soon as you do something like that, you're like looking for legendary status. And so to be honest, like 
it was probably good that I didn't win this one because I would have probably taken my foot off the gas a little bit and I want to run a lot faster than I have. So, you know, I did it on purpose too. It was third on purpose. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm joking. I think, you know, it's, it's so difficult to get to the, the top. Like it, I, I wasn't good enough to win. Like I, I, if I ran that race 10 times, I wouldn't have won it. You know, Yak would have won it every single time. Like he was just a step above the field. So, I, that just means I've got more work to do. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. I know I, I'm going to win Paris 2024, and I know that all the chat that I tell myself is now has a little bit more legitimacy to it, which is really cool. So you know that's and, the one and that I want to win. Unfortunate for the rest of us, it's a shame. It's a shame because it's a done deal, um, and we'll look back at this and, and laugh a little bit, I'm sure. But yeah, it's just like once you're there, you want to be there more often, and, and um, yeah, I think you know it's it's. It's fun to not to be close to the top, but not be at the top yet because you've just got you just yeah, battling. Absolutely, which is a lot of fun. Um, this is a good submission from Blake Master. Did Josh have a moment like with Craig at Doha in the bathroom saying like "see you on the podium"? Did you have any of those moments, or is this a little um, bit more hush hush? Um, so I mean, Team GB wise, like having all three of us in the final, like we were, we all decided the day before that we're all going to wear bucket hats in the call room just for being boys right and i was the only one that wore it you wore a bucket like, hat looking, before the race yeah i wore it if you i don't know if um it showed the car i wore it like all the way through through the call room like just before i went out i took it off <laughs> <laughs> just because i think it's it keeps me relaxed as well because it's just like a bit of fun yeah um, but yeah i think when i was speaking to whiteman i was speaking to hayward we we're like come on like one of us because it was the same in doha i was like come on at least one of us can get on there like yeah and that's like I want the best for those guys. I want the best for me. Like I want them to be behind me, sure, but like I want me to be first, want them to be second, Hayward to be third, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think there was definitely moments like that where we're like, okay, like we need to do this. This is we can't keep all making the final and keep chatting if we're not gonna do anything about it. So absolutely, I want I want you to know that you gave me a GBPs for 2019, and I like that streak to continue. So I'll be requesting a bucket hat here soon. What um, I gave the bucket hat to Julian, but I've got a bag full of gear that whatever you want, you can have. Good because because when I make a team, you'll you'll get a USA thing to wipe your ass with because I know you hate that <laughs> stuff. So um, we're gonna keep going on. Um, did. So this is a question from Tommy, but I'm going to change a little bit. Did Courtney's race in the steeplechase inspire you at all, being a fellow Lobo? She she ran with grit and determination, and she risked a lot to get what she, she got. Like, she deserved that medal. And yeah. and that's, like, again, like, that's what my mentality was. Like, go out and win something. Don't go out and get something. Like, go out and take it rather than just get it handed to you. So, you know, again, you just got to risk, and she risked a lot, and... and um yeah, I think it was a phenomenal race. I mean, you know, the women's steeplechase, like, you know, you can't look at events and think they're weak, but like uh, women's steeple, like if if you don't have the right athletes in there, like you're like, oh, well, you know, it's women's steeple, but that yeah. is a phenomenal race to, to medal. Phenomenal race. And that was race. the deepest field in, in Olympic history as well for that. Yeah. So it's like, you know, watching those races is so exciting. It's so exciting to have those personalities that you know and, and like have, have been around with so yeah it's a shame that she got silver and i got bronze um but you know these <laughs> things happen um someone submitted poopity scoop not a question um do you have any on on your phone i have more i can what, continue what does josh this. bench what does josh bench i'm more of a chair guy um but yeah i think <laughs> <laughs> i don't i've never i think i benched once when i was like 16 with but you know if you're talking about dumbbell benching well you know Boys yeah. can put up, you know, you 55, 60 pounds. But 
each each hand um but you know we don't really do that stuff and we would definitely injure ourselves doing that how does the metal motivate me um yeah i mean like i talked about what do you say (laughs) you're gonna try and steal it (laughs) i'm gonna try to steal it no i mean i I talked about it um in that episode um previous and then i talked about it we talked about it a lot today um but yeah it's essentially the fact that like it if it motivates what I'm more excited about is other people that it motivates. I already have enough motivation in my my own realm to to kind of get me to the point where I want to get. But if that metal motivated you, that's what I care about more of. And it should um, because it's phenomenal. So let that metal kind of ride your guys as high and get you some PBs in this uh, summer, fall, and winter coming up. Um, is Josh Amish, where's his mustache? Left it. Left it. I left it, mate. Left because, it in your carriage. Yeah, mate, it just, it just, it's just annoying. It gets in food. You know, it's blonde. It makes me look a bit of a pedo. So, you know, it just it gets booted out whenever it comes in. I mean, it's like Dave trying to get into a Vegas Vegas nightclub. You'll just get booted out before he gets in. Yeah. Uh, happened one time, and it'll happen more than one. You shag soon. one sheep, fella. What? You're a sheep. What? <laughs> I said you shag one sheep, you're a sheep shagger for life. That's okay um bestiality and pedophilia are the two things that we've mentioned in the last 60 seconds so let's (laughs) wrap this up before we get in trouble um okay so let's do two more questions each josh you hit two and then i'll hit two okay how does it feel to know we woke up at 5 a.m to watch your race man i love the support i got that the the video of like julian and lamar and her parents were actually there as well like in some of the albuquerque um people watching just going nuts and that like that brings a tear to your eye because you're like the big thing while you're there is you don't you actually forget that people are watching and so what the funniest part is is like when we're racing and afterwards i was like like the semi-final i was like well there it is like what like what are you doing with yourself like that's that's where race like that's how good you can feel in these runs like find some confidence from that and I did that. And then I realized that like afterwards, I was like, oh, that was like people I've seen that. And like we we went to the closing ceremony and myself, Whiteman and Hayward and, you know, all, all the other guys were all just like, you know, kind of pissing about and just being, you know, silly. And then Whiteman, when he got home, sent me a video of like us on national television, just being being stupid like Hayward was dabbing and like just doing really silly stuff. And like you forget that you're the world's watching because no one was there. Yeah. It was so quiet and it was so like, you're just there to race and there's not a lot of people watching. And so that was like the weirdest moment. So to see like people at home, like their reactions and stuff like that, it was just like crazy to see. And the response from everyone on like Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff has been kind of crazy. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Um, I'm going to do another screenshot because I think it's funny with your hood on. So give me a double thumbs up. Okay, uh, here we go. One. Wait, no, I didn't get it. Oh, Come wait, back. wait, it's there. I've got something back. Oh my god! <laughs> Do you, you have the metal right there. I honestly that's prepared for you to walk in. Um, oh my god, that's beefy. Is it heavy? Heavy dog. How much does it weigh? It probably weighs as much as Alfie. Give me a good smile. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I'll just post this as the. <laughs> Oh, wait. Um, I don't know where I just sent that screenshot. Do one more. This is what people, this is what people pay to listen to is, is me talking about screenshots. Um, I had Siri pop up screenshot. Here we go. One, two, three. Cool. Live for it. Um, 
Julian's probably getting blown up with messages right now. Um, okay. Um, so you have one more question, Josh, and I have two and then we'll wrap this up. I want to say, I think this is a cool one. First and foremost, congrats. How does losing to Chariot, the favorite at the line motivate you now? And I want to add, he blew the field up in 2019 and now you just got out dipped by him. So how does that motivate you? Motivates me to know that I'm doing the right things. Um, Danny and myself, our plan came into fruition. Like we spoke about how we're going to be closer and how we're going to, you know, it just shows that I'm, I'm on the right trajectory. I'm obviously still young and I've got time and I'm just, I'm patient, man. Like I'm, I'm not patient, but I'm patient to know that my time wasn't in 2021 and, but it will be in the future because I know I'm, I'm heading in the right direction. If I keep making these jumps, like we're going to end up, you know, either running the world record or, or, or getting a, a global medal. So, or a global gold medal at the top of the world. So it's difficult to do. Um, but I know I'm definitely moving in the right direction and, and it's really nice to actually think about being at the top of the sport and doing everything right. And so that's always fun. Good. All right. Now one each quick fire, and then we can name the episode and be done with this forever. Pre-classic. Um, what about it? I mean, I'm not racing it for multiple reasons, but the first reason obviously is I learned from 2019, I need to switch off and you're not going to get a higher high than running 329 because it's a mile as well. It's not like I can go out yeah. and run 15. Um, I have no bonuses in my contract for a mile. Uh, and I am ready to, I, w- I was mentally and emotionally just exhausted. And so I'm injury free. I'm happy. I'm spending time with the people that got me here. And so uh, I'm not here to make a quick buck pretty yep. much. I like that. Also, not even going to watch. Probably not. Actually, no, I will because Henry's going to be in there. Oh, well, he, in the international. Yeah, well, I, hopefully he gets bumped up, but we'll see. Um, but either way, I'd, I'd, I mean, I, I like watching 15 meter racing. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh, I should be there. Like, yeah, I want those guys to do well. Like, even if they run the world record, it's not like I'm going to be sitting there like, damn. Like, I don't, I just, I just don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I mean, that's, that's when you know you're, you're grounded in, in your own anyone. beliefs. You know, when you're grounded in yourself, like you can watch other people succeed and be happy and confident for them and like not take, let that take away from your own success. Exactly. Um, And I actually told my sports psych that this was the first Olympic cycle where I was genuinely excited for others. And I didn't feel as though that like their success was pulling away from me. So I'm, I'm also grounded in that. You're growing up. Growing up, being a little bit more mature. I have a kid now. Okay. Last question, Josh, ask one and then we'll name the episode. I have to ask you. I just asked the last two, boy. Oh, wait. Pre-classic. And, oh, you're right. You're right. So then I, it's me. The last question that I am going to put in here is who would win in a 5K right now? Absolutely me. If we're talking like right now, this exact moment, I would probably win because Josh is about more beers deep than miles. In the I'm, last I'm 10 days into a bender. <laughs> so I think I could pull off the dub and folks, maybe we need to line that up so I can get that confidence. But I would love to lose to Dave in a 13 flat race. I would, but I would love if he's unable to run 13 flat. He's not going to beat me. I'm, I'm excited. I'm actually very excited for a fast five. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have one of those lined up, but yeah. So me right now, anyway, we're going to name the episode, Josh. I'm sure you could probably think of a good name. My, maybe it's wrapped around your neck. Maybe it's the, I don't know. You want to name it? Okay, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go back into my podcasting voice. (laughs) I'm going to go back into my podcasting voice. Um, so Josh, I think we could name it at this point. I'm sure you have something lined up. I could give you a little bit of an announcer. So for the final introduction of the episode, we have Josh Kerr, Olympic bronze medalist and cup peer. He's going to name the episode now. 
Ready? Three, two, one. How to win an Olympic medal. Wow. Oh, Maybe I'll listen to this and get some advice. <laughs> Thanks, Josh, this for coming on. This a pretty on. short one, huh? Yeah, this is a pretty short one. If you guys listen to this whole thing, congratulations on listening to the longest episode of Student Kick Podcast. Um, mm-hmm. And then lastly, the last thing I want to say <laughs> is thank you, BBC, for the shout out of our podcast. And yeah, huge how many, from them. Real talk, Josh, how many times have you been asked to go on to things recently? Um, ridiculous amounts, cool. but I'm just deleting emails. <laughs> Thank you for the time and commitment that you've had to come onto the Sit and Kick podcast then. It was hard enough time for me to rally you onto your own goddamn podcast. Josh Kerr. David Ribbish. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2 1500 Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbish.